Hello, welcome back to the uh, Home Bible Study Podcast. Um, we are blazing through the letter to the Hebrews. I'm being facetious. Um, we are not blazing through it. We are, but we are going through it, I think, at a good pace to be able to really get a proper study and understand it as best as possible. Um, we're going to take a break from Hebrews today. Um, we've come to the part uh, in the letter to the Hebrews where it starts talking a lot about the priesthood of um, the Lord Jesus. And we also, last time we talked about, uh, and from, from chapter 5, about um, his about the priesthood of the Old Testament. Um, and there's a connection made between the Aaronic priesthood and now we're transitioning into a new priesthood. And instead of having a high priest that's a man um, that serves at uh, a man-made altar and such now we have the lord jesus who is the great high priest not just a high priest but the great high priest and so the contrast was made between the two to show the superiority of jesus's priesthood and it was mentioned that um, he was a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. that's uh hebrews Chapter 5, verse 6. So, I thought it would be a good idea for us to understand better the significance and get some context around what that means. We're going to get more into the priesthood of the Lord Jesus and how it relates to Melchizedek. But I think it's important for us to have context of why the writer to the to the um, Hebrews was so emphatic about presenting the Lord Jesus in his priesthood. We know that he came as prophet, priest, and king. Uh, and the gospels present him that way. And certain gospels present him in one aspect of his office or person than others would. They put, it puts, a, each gospel puts an emphasis on uh, each of the aspects of the Lord Jesus and his ministry. But we know that those three offices are his forever. So we also know that we have an eternal salvation, right? Uh, Hebrews has made that very clear that we also have a heavenly calling. Um, that's from Hebrews 3, 1. Um, the Lord Jesus has accomplished many things in his coming to us and revealing the Father to us and also successfully bringing us to himself. Whereas the Old Testament was a shadow or picture of things to come, we have a more clear picture of the purpose and will of God in his eternal decree. There's more to come, more to be revealed that we even don't know, but the, what we do know is substantial. So for us to really appreciate why 
the writer to the uh, Hebrews is stressing this. I think we need to understand and uh, take some time to look at what it means to be a part of this priesthood because because Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So all those whom he has redeemed are now entered into that priesthood. We, by union to him, those of us who are believers, are now connected to that priesthood. And there are certain things that go along and come along with that priesthood that we need to know about, right? That means what I'm saying to you is that if you are a believer, if you uh, have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection, you are now officially a priest, right? You're a priest along with him. And so as priests, believer priests is what they're called. I think it was um, Calvin who's credited with expanding this doctrine uh, in a significant way. Um, you know, I'm sure the, uh, I mean, Peter, um, the Apostle Peter is the one that wrote about it, but definitely Calvin expanded on it and made it to be a more um, within our grasp. But we are uh, believer priests, and we have uh, responsibilities as believer priests. And that's why, that is the work that we're supposed to be doing while we're here on, here on earth. That's the, the ministry that we are to fulfill and the work that we're to be doing while we're here. And so the writer to the letter, the writer of the letter of Hebrews was really stressing the fact that there was a danger that if you uh, were to quench the Holy Spirit or not to walk in the walk that we've been called to walk in, there's a danger that you would not fulfill these priestly service um, responsibilities. And therefore, it would be a detriment to you when it was time for you to stand before the Lord and and um, review all the things that you've done in your life, whether they be good or evil. So it's also important for the furtherance of the gospel, right? That was critical in the time of the apostles and when they were writing. They had a keen sense that of what they were doing and the significance of what they were doing. They also knew that there was going to be a great falling away, a great apostasy. And that's the time that we're living in right now. The fact that, you know, I'm doing this um, home Bible study podcast um, and um, there it's, it's not something that's common, right? Uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of things you can listen to. Um, and some of them very interesting, but they have no eternal value, not like what this has, because we're studying the word of God. And there's a lot of podcasts about God and people ministering, but, you know, there's also a lot of false teaching. And that's the sad part is that they knew this was going to happen. And they knew that there would be people that would come and they would, um, they would 
deceive and they would say things that tickled the ears of men. But that's not what we're here for. We're going to study the word and I'm going to present it as it is and allow the Holy Spirit to use it um, in whatever way that is the will of God. So, so with that said, we need to study and see what it is that this believer priesthood that we are all enjoined to is so that we can actively be pursuing the things that are associated with this priesthood. Now, none of this is going to be a big revelation because these things that we're to be doing are have already been modeled in the Lord Jesus. We're to be like him, right? Walk as he walked. And in doing that, you would be ministering to people. You would be uh, manifesting the work of a believer priest. But I think it's important to understand specifically what the Lord Jesus has said to us about this role and to understand it in, a, in the context of um, what's being said also in uh, Hebrews. Because you're going to see that uh, the writer to the letter of the Hebrews, which I don't believe was Peter, because Peter's Greek was a little less formal, right? The writer to the letter, the writer of the letter of Hebrews, used some very complicated, um, skillful, had a very skillful command of the language in a way that you can only see really when you study the Greek, but used terms that were that suggest. Uh, a masterful use of the language. Whereas Peter, who was no slouch by any means, was uh, used more of a common man's type of speaking, speaking and writing. So anyway, but you're also going to see the how, I hope, see how that those two letters, although very different, very different people are being written to, different reasons for the letters, they complement one another. Because it's all the word of God. God has one message that he's used multiple people to present from their, using their own uh, skills, their own perspective, led by God, the Holy Spirit, to present one truth. And I think, if nothing else, that is very clear here in this um, presentation here. I hope that's what's going to be clear to you. So, without further ado, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter reveals to us the details associated with the believer priesthood. Now, again, this is not the priesthood of the Old Testament. That priesthood is associated specifically with um, the Jews, with um the Levites, uh, and it's not the priesthood that we are brought into in this this age, this revelation that we have now in the progressive revelation of God in the age that we live in, the dispensation that we're in. Now we are a part of this new priesthood that is headed by the Lord Jesus. 
And Peter is going to explain to us what that is and what that means. So I'm going to start reading uh, in uh, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So basically, Peter is saying the same exact thing that we saw over in um, Hebrews, where um, the writer to the uh, of the letter of the Hebrews, where he, he spoke about the fact that, you know, um, for it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. So he's saying the same thing, you know, he's saying, you know, you should, you should be growing. You have responsibility and, um, you know, there should be fruit or you should see the fruit of the grace of God and the God, the Holy Spirit working in you. you. How do you see that? Well, by laying aside malice and guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and evil speakings. These are not the things associated with God the Holy Spirit. These are not the things associated with a believer that is walking in the Spirit, right? So they're both saying kind of the same thing in different ways, that we should be able to discern between people who are walking in the Spirit and serving the Lord and those who are not. Now, if you don't have that discernment, Either it's because you're newly saved and you have to learn that and you need to pray about that and ask the Lord to, to give you that discernment or you're not saved and you wouldn't know a saved person from an unsaved person because you don't know what it means to be saved. So, and you know, if you practice these things, then yeah, they're saying the same thing. You're, you, you still uh, are walking in, your flesh and the old man. You don't have God, the Holy Spirit. So it's possible for a believer to do these things. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We definitely um, can manifest envy or be uh, hypocrites and speak evil. I mean, that's what the old nature manifests, but you will not walk in that. That will not be the pattern of your life. And that's what he's saying. So then that takes us to uh, verse four. And now we're going to get into um, Peter's way of telling us about uh, the Lord Jesus being the great high priest uh, in the uh, order of Melchizedek. And he's going to use an analogy that we also saw in Hebrews. In Hebrews, when we're uh, looking at how that um, Jesus is superior to Moses in chapter 3, um, the analogy was used of building a house, right? And in Hebrews chapter three, verse five, it says, and Moses surely was faithful in all his house as a servant 
for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of after, saying he was as a servant, he was faithful in all his house. Now, Christ is superior in verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So there we see that, that analogy of a house being built. And we are being built up as a house, um, as a one body. Um, and Jesus is the one that's leading that. He's the one that's uh, over that house. Not as a servant like Moses was, but as one who is the one who owns the house. <laughs> it's his house and he's building it. We belong to him. So here we're going to see in First um, Peter chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 4, we're going to see Peter saying that same thing. He's going to elaborate on this house. He's going to go into great detail and explain to us how that we are priests and how that the Lord Jesus is um, the great high priest over us all, those of us who are believers in this church age. And verse 4, it says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen, chosen of God and precious. Now that's us, the newborn babes, right? We are coming unto him a living stone. That's what Jesus is. The analogy is that he is a living stone and we come unto that stone. And it says that he was disallowed indeed of men. Well, yeah, that's why he was killed. That's why they hung him on a cross, because he was rejected by his people, by the Romans, uh, the Gentiles, and also by the Jews. The world rejected him when he came. Uh, and it says he was disallowed indeed of men. But in contrast to that, he was chosen of God and precious. Because the father said, this is my son. Um, he's the one I've sent, you know, and in him I am well pleased. He said that. He spoke that and uh, it was heard by the apostles. So he was chosen of God and precious. And we saw that he was chosen of God in the sense that he was the one that would come and redeem all those whom the father had um, elected that the Lord Jesus would be the one who would be their redeemer, who would be our redeemer. And he is precious. Every drop of his blood, precious to the Father and precious to those who have been redeemed by it. In verse 5, ye also, talking about us, those, who, those newborn babes, um, those people who have put aside all these evil things, Ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. There it is. So see, we are a spiritual house. We are living stones, part of this house that's being built. And each individual believer, the Lord Jesus, is building you up for a purpose. Each individual believer. We all have individual experiences with the Lord Jesus, through God the Holy Spirit's leading, and we all have individual roles, right? We have a purpose. Some might be teachers. Others 
have the gift of exhortation. Others have the gift of help. Some people have the gift of being a pastor. Uh, some people have the gift of, um, um, well, I'm not going to go into all the gifts, but you get my point. We all have gifts, and some people have multiple gifts. And we're to use those gifts in the building up of one another, even as the Lord Jesus uses those gifts to build us up. That's how gifts work. Spiritual gifts are given to you because you need those gifts more than everybody else. And in you, in the Holy Spirit developing those gifts in you, you are ministering to other people through those gifts and that ministers back and builds you up. That's the way God has made this to work. And it's amazing and it's beautiful and that's how we are built up together. Even now, while I'm studying and teaching this to you, it's because I need to be taught. That's one of my greatest needs. So God gave me the gift of teaching so that I would study and pursue the word in such a way that it would benefit me and all of the body. That's the way the Lord has made this. So in that way, we're living stones. And that way we're being built up a spiritual house. And it says a holy priesthood. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means holy means to be set apart. So that means we, like the Aaronic priesthood, the Levites were set apart from all the rest of the nation and they served the temple. Now we have been set apart um, in Christ and we serve a much higher calling than they did. They served at an earthly temple, right? The earthly tabernacle. We are tabernacles that serve the Lord Jesus in heaven. We serve him with our lives here as a tabernacle. As the Holy Spirit is indwelling us, we move around and, you know, like the tabernacle, you look at us and there's not much to see, you know. We're just common everyday people because from the outside, that's what the world is going to see. But it's what's in us. It's who that's in us that makes us priests. And that's the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit indwells us and thereby empowering us to be able to manifest the fruit of the spirit. Well, who benefits from that fruit? Well, the world does to some extent because altogether we there's a um, a presence of God the Holy Spirit that that radiates beyond our bodies, and it collectively is in the world, and it keeps the unsaved people from completely going crazy and doing whatever they want to do. It's the influence or the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in us that keeps uh, the ungodly from doing everything that they possibly could or wanted to do. We have an influence. And anybody who's saved that's been in a room full of unsaved people, you should know that. You should, you should, I'm sure you felt and understood that, that presence, that your presence has an imp impact or an influence on the people around you in a way that's beyond just your personality, 
right? It's God, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they will manifest hatred towards you. Sometimes they will treat you differently, right, than everyone else. Um, but really it doesn't matter. The fact is, is that we have that ministry. But also, um, we have a ministry to one another. And we can empower and strengthen one another through fellowship, right? Through manifesting these fruit of the Spirit um, it can build us each up and we're all built up by God. It's really amazing. So we are a holy priesthood. It's established. That's what we are, right? And we're not priests of Aaron. We're priests of the Lord Jesus through, and he is in the order of Melchizedek. So that's why it's so important to know that because we need to know, well, how are we priests? You know, Peter is saying that, we pre that we're priests, but the letter of Hebrews is telling us how that we're priests, right? So it's the next level. So first, Peter's presenting the fact that this is what we are. And the letter of Hebrews is telling us how we became that. So it's really important to keep that in context as we study the letter of Hebrews. So let's, let's see what else Peter has to say about this priesthood that we're members of. So he says, you're a holy priesthood, in verse 5. And it says we have something to do because priests are not just, they don't just sit around and do nothing. Priesthood is set apart to do a work. And it says that we are set apart, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How? By Jesus Christ. So we have spiritual sacrifices that we offer up. So just like the Aaronic priesthood, they had sacrifices. You know, people would come with a goat or a heifer or something, and they'd have to execute the sacrifice. You know, and they, they were the ones that were uh, a mediator between God and his righteous decree and man and his sin. And so we also are mediators of a new covenant, right? A much better covenant. It's in Christ, not of goats and lambs and things like that. But now we have, instead of those physical things that represented spiritual things, right? Just like the tabernacle represented spiritual things. Uh, we now have direct access to spiritual sacrifices that is enormous we have access to god the holy spirit and now we can perform spiritual sacrifices and these spiritual sacrifices are what we are going to be rewarded for at the bema when we stand before the lord and he looks at what we've done he's going to be looking at these spiritual sacrifices now, the things that we did that are not spiritual, well, that's going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. But the spiritual sacrifices are what come out as, uh, as crowns, as um, rewards. Um, so we need to know what these spiritual sacrifices are, don't we? It's important. So it says spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So 
Um, we're not talking about just any old spiritual sacrifice. Like, you know, somebody says, well, I'm a spiritual person, you know, I'm very in, in tune with uh, Buddha or, you know, Muhammad or whoever else. Yeah, they may be a spiritual person, but those are not the spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Just like Cain and Abel, um, Cain had a sacrifice, but his sacrifice was not accepted. Abel's was. So now we have to understand that God is very specific in what sacrifices are acceptable to him. And we need to know what those are. So definitely they are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So first you must be in Christ. No one that is not in Christ is able to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to him. That's stated right here. Number one, you must be in Christ. The only way you can be in Christ is if you're saved. Period. Okay? So that's the first prerequisite. In verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So obviously these are those who are the redeemed. Uh, the Lord Jesus is that chief cornerstone, right? And those who believe on him shall not be confounded. So um, a prerequisite of being able to be a priest and offer these sacrifices is to be found in Christ. Very important because he is the chief cornerstone and we are living stones, part of that um, house that's being built. All right. Um, so let's look at these sacrifices before we go on, because I know you're probably wondering, what are these sacrifices? Well, they're all through scripture, but I'm going to point out just a few places where they are. One is in Psalm 116, 17 through 19. Um, it says, it talks about the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Uh, we're told over and over in scripture that in everything that we do, we should give thanks. Well, that's because that's one of our believer sacrifices. We are to always give thanks because we are, we have a Thanksgiving deficit. Okay. You may not have realized that, but you have a Thanksgiving deficit that is permanently a part of your life. And that's because the Lord Jesus died on behalf to save you, to redeem you, not while you loved him, but while you yet hated him. And there is no way that you could in a hundred years, 200, a thousand, a million, 10 million, a billion years properly manifest thanksgiving for what he's done. In fact, we will be exercising these believer pre-sacrifices for eternity. Okay? So, we will be thanking him for eternity. That's what we're going to be doing. We have been made priest, and we're priests forever. Just like he's been a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, we are priests forever. Now we're getting a little peek into what we're going to be doing for eternity. And one of those things is going to be thanking him. So 
we should always and in everything be thanking the Lord Jesus now. That's a sacrifice that we should be lifting up. Now, once we get to heaven, these sacrifices are going to be so a part of who we are and our purpose that we won't have to be told to do it. It's going to be something that is just part of who we are. But while we're here in this world, everything this world is and has is against us performing these sacrifices. So that's why it's so special to the Lord Jesus when we do it. That's why we receive rewards for doing it. That's the labor of love that we manifest in this body. And it's the only time that we're going to be able to serve the Lord Jesus in that way. And so we need to be doing that. So one of the things that we're to be doing is offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Uh, then uh, Hebrews 13, 15, we're going to get to Hebrews 13, 15, Lord willing. It says we should be offering the sacrifice of praise. Again, that's another thing that the world is against. I mean, how many of you can go into your office uh, on a Monday morning and say, hey, everybody, I just want to praise the Lord Jesus Christ for all that he's done for me and for this, for all of you. Well, there may be some people that have jobs or in capacities that you can do that. And there may even be people that you work with that would welcome that. And it would start um, a chain of praise. But I feel like that uh, in the world we live in, that is uncommon. But does that mean we shouldn't do it? No, we should do it. We should always be offering the sacrifice of praise. And that's why it's a, considered a sacrifice, because it's something that goes against our old nature. But when you do it, the joy that you feel, it empowers you. It, it, it causes you to be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit and you have on the whole armor of God, you are ready for battle. Okay, you are ready to face whatever the world might throw at you. And those fiery darts that are constantly coming, they bounce right off. So it's important not only for us as believers, because it's what we should be doing as believer priests, but it's important for us, for the, our health, right? Our spiritual health to be offering the sacrifice of praise. And then in 1 Timothy uh, 2, 1, we're to be offering supplications and intercessions. So to, to supplicate is to pray on your own behalf. As a believer priest, we have access to the Lord Jesus at all times. Through God the Holy Spirit, we're able to offer up supplications or prayers on our own behalf. And we need to be praying for ourselves. I mean, as we face different challenges, temptations, um, uh, just our old sin nature rearing its ugly head, we need to pray. That's our, that's one of our sacrifices. That's one of the things that nourishes our soul is to go before the Lord and to pray and to appeal to him. And sometimes a prayer 
is as um, short as help. Help me, Lord. And sometimes prayers are longer where you have a drawn out conversation and you ask for understanding or you're um, praying and thanking him for the things that he's done for you and he's showing you and how that in his presence in your day and in your life. Uh, but that's what supplications are. That's one of our believer pre-sacrifices is to pray on behalf of ourselves. And what a blessing not to have to go to somebody else and say, hey, will you pray for me? Not to say that it's not good to ask people to pray for you. You need to be careful who you ask. But we have his presence and access to him at all times. So we have that blessing to be able to go before him. And also there's intercession. Now, intercessory prayer is when you pray on behalf of others. It's also important for us to be doing that as believer priests because we are able to represent God to other people. Now, if you're unsaved, you have no access to God. So only through a believer can an unsaved person actually have access to God. Um, but any believer, man, woman, or child, has equal footing as a believer priest. Let me repeat that. Man, woman, or child has equal footing as long as they're saved as a believer priest. There's no believer priest that's higher or lower than another. There's no believer priest that has a different access than any other. We all are in Christ in one spirit in Christ and we have access. Now, we have different gifts and different roles for sure because everything that God does is in decency, in decency and in order. So there has to be structure. Um, and God has a purpose for the way that he has distributed uh, his spirit unto us and the gifts that um, he's given to mankind. So there's a purpose in that. Um, and we need to fulfill our purpose. And he is going to fulfill that in us. That's what um, Philippians says, that he who began a good work will complete it until the day of uh, the Lord. So we know that. Uh, but yes, there is an order and there is a distribution of the spirit and purpose. But as far as the Lord Jesus is concerned, his love is equal in everyone that he has redeemed. So we all have that uh, ability to intercede on behalf of one another and on behalf of the unsaved. And we need to be doing that. You know, sometimes I'm around a lot of unsaved people, particularly at work, and they do or say things that irritate me. And I have to be reminded that they don't know any better that they're doing what their nature tells them to do. And it's upon me, the burden is on me to pray for them and to, to represent them to the Lord because I want them all to be saved, every single one of them. Now, do I believe they'll all be saved? Well, I don't know if they will. That's up, that's up to the Lord. If he wants to, he can save every one of them. But... That doesn't mean I don't desire that for them, right? I want that for them. And so how do I uh, help them? 
they may not want to hear what I have to say, but I can also always intercede on their behalf. And a lot of times that's a very powerful ministry. Um, there's people that get sick or whatever, and you tell them, hey, I'm going to pray for you that you get better. Or they have some trouble or problem they share with you. And I always like to pray for them and ask the Lord to use that to witness to them and to make them to know his power and to validate my ministry to them so that it'll open up an opportunity to say, hey, you know why when I prayed you got better? Because the Lord Jesus heard me and he's real, you know? In spite of everything that the world says, he hears his people. And I want him to hear you. So you need to be one of his people. Well, how does that happen? What do I have to do to be saved? And there you have the gospel. There's your opportunity right there. So it's really important that we uh, execute these uh, believer priest sacrifices. You know, priests minister on behalf of those who are unable or have no access to God. That's the whole role of a priest. And now we have been made to be believer priests. Um, so kind of keep that in mind as we study Hebrews and we um, start learning more about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus. Understand that the implications of this are eternal that these believer sacrifices these spiritual sacrifices believer priest sacrifices that we're doing it's a precursor to the ministry that we will have in eternity uh, we're never going to stop being believer priests it says that in hebrews that jesus is a priest forever in the in the order of Melchizedek. well that means that those who who are redeemed by him are also priests forever. And I think it gives us some insight into our role um, in heaven and what we're going to be doing. And there's a lot of information in the book of uh, Revelation that also leads me to believe that this is going to continue in heaven, that we're going to have a uh, very pronounced ministry to those uh, in, even in the millennial kingdom. So I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but uh, hopefully we'll get to study that and I'll get to share some of those things with you. But there's definitely going to be a ministry and um, that's why it's important that we know what these sacrifices are and that we understand the significance of what the Lord Jesus has done. And why is that important to the Hebrew people? At that time, because they were under great persecution, right? They were under great persecution. And they were, there was a temptation there, a danger that they would turn away from the believer priesthood and revert back to the old uh, ways of the um, old covenant. And the writer was warning them, you know, you can't do that. If you do that, then that that speaks to the fact that you uh, are in danger of being one of those who, you know, may never have been saved, that you just may have been around people and been affected by their ministry, but 
you yourself never were saved because that's not what believers do. So um, it's really important for us to understand that. So in light of this, I would like for us to go forth and do the labor of service with a spirit-filled witness. I think if we don't take anything else from this lesson, take that, that we have responsibilities and we need to be filled with God, the Holy Spirit, so that we can administer these believer priest sacrifices. And part of that is being a witness and ministering the gospel to others. And uh, I hope that I was able to make you see the connection between our believer priest sacrifices and the things that we should be doing regularly and how they empower us and equip us and give us uh, the power to minister the gospel. And they add the weight to the gospel. That's what's so important. That's why we should be doing these things. Um, today is the day of salvation and now is the time. We can't put these things off till some other day because, you know, we want to do something else and it's inconvenient for us to be thanking God or uh, praying for other people. We have to have a sense of urgency and understand that we only have a limited time to perform these things while we're in this tabernacle, in this body, and that one day we're going to be translated from this body and this life into our eternal life and our eternal body. And we won't have this opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus and glorify him. I cannot tell you how it glorifies the Lord Jesus that in spite of all the things in this world that could take us away from his worship, that we, in spite of that, push through and praise and thank him and intercede on behalf of others and pray for ourselves. And we make, we, we consider Jesus, you know, we consider him the great um, apostle and high priest of our profession. And when we put him first in our lives and we manifest a spirit filled life, it glorifies him beyond what my words are able to express. And we should want to do that. He, he deserves that. Okay, he's the only one who deserves that glory and that honor. And we have the opportunity to, to, to manifest those things and to glorify him. So it's very important. Jesus has come to his creation, you know, a dark and hateful people, and shown us love in the most sincere way that God can. The Father gave to us what is most precious to him, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The father gave him to be our great high priest and the lamb that takes away the sin of the people. The father raised him on the third day as a witness and a proof of his acceptance of his offering. We know that the father accepted his offering because he raised him on the third day. Now he's calling to himself, right, a people, right? That stone that was and still is rejected by the world, Jesus, is now the head of the corner. 
exalted above the angels, above Moses, even the priesthood of Aaron, right? That's who we serve, the apostle and high priest of our profession. Now we can fall on this rock, right? Either you fall on that rock for salvation or that rock will fall on you and crush you. Well, we've been called to better things and we know that the Lord Jesus is not going to crush us because we fell upon him. He made us to know our sin. He made us to believe and to know the truth of the gospel. And now we fall on him for everything. And he is our rock. He is the chief head of the corner. And we can hold on to him and know that his will is going to be done in us and through us. So with that, I hope that you were able to uh, learn something about the being a believer priest. And if you already knew these things, I hope that they stir you up by way of remembrance and cause you to manifest um, your gifts and the service of the Lord Jesus. And hopefully this gives us a little more context. So when we return to the letter of the Hebrews and we learn more about the great high priesthood of the Lord Jesus, we'll understand the weight and the meaningfulness of that ministry that he's accomplished for us. Let's close. Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your word, for your witness and your testimony. Thank you for Peter and how that he explained these things. Uh, thank you for the letter to the Hebrews and how that your word says one thing and points us all to one person, your son, the Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father, we would all serve him in a way that would honor you and glorify you um, every day, that we would be offering the believer priest sacrifices and that we would rejoice in that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.